Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Just hoping that the video will be able to survive this week and you'll be able to see the video. I apologize for last week. Um, Pashas Emer, Shabbos before Lag Be'emer, but next week, Thursday is Lag Be'emer, so next Wednesday year, we'll hopefully be able to talk a little bit about Lag Be'emer. And of course, as we do each week, during the days of Svira, we talk a little bit about the Perik of Perikiyavis, and we talk a little bit about Masechtas Saita. Pash Emer starts Emer Elakernim Veamarto. A very famous concept. Emer Vermarta says Rashi brings down Chazal. If you keep score at home, you might have Yavamis Kufidalit, the end of the first Omid. Emer Vermarta, Lahaz here to warn or to make aware. Gedolim are like Tanim, the elders on the youngest. Which means to say, the reason that double Oshin, the elder Kahanim have to teach, prepare, warn the youngers, younger Kahanim. Lahazir is usually to warn, but it also comes from the word Zahar, which is to lighten, lighten up. As is the word Sefira, which is to count, and it comes from the word sapir, from also shining. Tells us the Gemara, tells us Rashi, the reason for the double lotion is because the concept of education of Chinuch. question becomes why is such an important declaration postponed in the Torah waits until Pasha's Emmer immediately after Matan Torah we should have been told the elders need to look after the young and we need to see to teach and to educate our children Also, we need to understand why this commandment of such magnitude, which is something that the entire nation is affected by, why is it mentioned only by the service of the Kahanam? 
Why is it not mentioned? Education across the board. It's known there's a connection of each parsha of the Teda connected to the time of year that it's read. And a special bond to that time and also the lesson of the Hazir Gedolim Alektanim is Shaykh especially to this time the time of year when we read Pasha's Emer. And we get at least one question from somebody. We're not reading Emer in Israel. In Eretz Yisrael they're reading Bahar. They're a Pasha ahead of us. So why is this relevant? We'll soon see. The question was brought up on Monday. It's the famous question. Why do we not catch up Bahar B'chukhesai and let Israel lane this week Bahar B'chukhesai together? We'll lane Emer. And next week Sorry, this week at Shalim Bahar, we'll learn Emer. Next week at Shalim Bichukhesa, we should learn Bahar Bichukhesa together. We'll be together again. And well, the answer is actually a practical one, which is, comes out with Nosay and Pinchas. And then the Teich, no, not the Teich, I'm sorry. Which need to be read, and not correct. Which need to be read, not say after Matantera and Pinchas in the three weeks, because of the mention of the Nevi'im, of Yeshua, etc., etc. So the answer is a practical one, actually, and that's why we only catch up by Matas Masai. And we're going off into a tangent, which is not really relevant to the Shia itself. The bottom line is, this week we're talking Pasha Emer, and Pasha Emer is relevant, this concept of Emer Ve'amarta to this time of year. Svirus Emer begins the second day of Pesach, second night of Pesach, and goes until Shavuos. Pesach is the month of Nisan. Shavu is the month of Sivan. Hence, the month of Ir, which is the middle month between Nisan and Sivan, the entire month is enveloped in Svirus Eimer. Every day of Ir we count the Eimer. Not every day in Nisan we count the Eimer, not every day in Sivan we count the Eimer. <coughs> but here we count every day Sphiris Eimer. Which is Chinuch. 
Sphere Seimah is the concept of Chinuch. Educating Klal Yisrael, preparing them for Matan Teira, for the receiving of the Teira. Paving the way, as we would say. They left Mitzrayim was the birth of the nation. Mm-hmm. And then they reached the Kufa. In that case, once they're born, they need to be educated. And this continued until Kabbalah Satayda. And this is what Svira Seim is all about. Usefartem lochem to count for you. In the parasha itself, by the way, because all the Yom Teva mentioned, we have Sfiris Emer mentioned that the Pasuk Sfartim Lachem Machas is in this week's parasha in Emer, as well as all the Yom Teva. And the Pasuk tells us the basis. Avchinuch is not just something that's a also and it has been and it could be. And we see this already from the days of Avram. It says ki yedaitim lemanashe itzava as bonav as beis ayachinov. I've known the fact that I've commanded the children and the family there and the household thereafter. At that point, the Rebbe Yaakov Baruch was praising Avram that he's implanting within his children the proper belief in God, the proper education. So it's self-understood. Here it's talking about Chinuch in a complete fashion. Lefnim Meshur Sadim. As we learn in Pirkei Avis, everything that we learn in Pirkei Avis, after Vasusya Glatera, is we do things Lifnim Mishura Sadim. What's Lifnim Mishura Sadim? Din. Let's see what Din is first. A Din is a law. A halach. Black and white, we read in Shechem Aloha. Do not mix milk, milk and meat together. The Tater says the Posik. It says three times they and the three different prohibitions eating, eating, pleasure, and cooking. Three different prohibitions. That's din. That's din. Milk being chol of Yisrael is din. Milk needs to be seen and watched and observed from the milking throughout. Throughout the entire process. 
in the days of yesteryear, where unfortunately it was possible to mix non-kosher milk in the milk from a different animal. If you didn't have your milk watched and checked from the beginning to the end from the cow, it was considered chalav akum. Akum meaning a goy, a non-Jew. Today's day and age, according to the people that look for loopholes, shall we say, it's not legal to mix any other milk except for the said milk that you're putting in. And therefore, the loophole that they use, because they can't do it legally, therefore they probably didn't do it, they definitely didn't do it, they couldn't have done it, and therefore we don't need to have, according to those people in opinion, the constant hashkocha, supervision, this today is labeled not as cholavakum, but as cholav stam, which is a very interesting word because stam means regular, nothing. Stam is also the rashetevus, the acronym for the words sefetera mezuzis, the most sacred of the scrolls that we have, the sefetera, the tulum, the mezuzis. Things that we don't improvise, that we don't cut corners on. We want to make sure we have the best and the best condition, the best case. And yet they call it call of stam, which is not exactly the best. And thereby they can eat things and drink things and say it's not kalavakum. Not kalavisrol, but it's not kalavakum. Tells us, Pikiovis, tells us here the lesson of Chinuch Hashlemus, Lifnim Mishudas Hadin. Do not cut corners, do not improvise, do not compromise when it comes to Teda and Mitzvahs. I was asked this week about egg checking. Do we need to check the eggs today? Because are they actually eggs? Are they incubated? Are they this? Are they that? There's all processes that are done. They're not real chicks. They're not real this. And if there's a blood spot, it's not real blood. It's not... The and if it falls in, can I just take it out? Because there are opinions that say there's no problem. Lifnim Mishuras Hadin is not this case. This is a case where by abolishing the we'll call it the holy task, by abolishing the custom of making sure there's no blood spot in the egg, you're attacking the root. 
You're attacking our source. This doesn't work. It's not even a level of Lashim of Nimishadin. That is downright basics. This is what they did in your mother, in your grandmother, in your great grandmother's home. You checked your egg before you used it. You checked the egg before you put it into a pot with other eggs. If you did check and it got it got past you. And you look in the pot, you see fifty eggs with an egg with a little bit of a red drop on it. Technically, halachically, you have to throw out the entire batch. Is there loopholes? Are there loopholes? Is there a way to get around it? Call a local rabbi. A person should know they do not take the halacha into their own hands. One must always call a rabbi and find out and discuss. So then there becomes the complaint, Oi! Rabbis don't answer their phones. First of all, most rabbis have set hours where they take phone calls. Most rabbis. Many rabbis are modern with smartphones and have WhatsApp and text, etc., which you could always WhatsApp and text them, and pretty much they'll get back to you within an hour. Doesn't help, I got a pot full of eggs here and I'm waiting to do something with it. You could have the rabbi live in your basement and support him and see if that works. You have him at all at your beck and call. Don't think that's going to work out too well for anybody. Beyond the law, behind the beautification, behind the perfect perfection of the law, making sure I'm not this or that way and I order off the track. Sneers is not lifting Mishnah What's the concept of tznius by a woman? A woman should not be in a situation, a predicament that would bring other men to look at them. Or a single girl to have men look at them. Attract attention to them. But it's not the mission of that's the law. And it's obvious, and we understand exactly why and where it's coming from, and where it's going, and what it has to do, and how it directs our lives, and how it, it goes directly on a daily basis, what it's all about. This is talking about here, the Fnim Mishud how we have to teach the children. We find this in the way the Chazal say, Lahazir Gedolim Alaktanim, Lashon of warning. And also, as we said, Lashon of Zoyhar, Ur, enlighten. The elders are called upon to educate the young, to bring them to a place, to a level, that they too will light, they, they too will enlighten, they too will light up and they will shine. 
as we said, that is apropos for Svira Sa'imer, as we said, Svira also from that same language, same lang- the same level. And on Svira Sa'imer, in Svira Sa'imer, every single day we climb another level. Usvartem lochem in Machras Shabbos, from Machras Shabbos you have to count. Sheva Shabbosa is Temima is Tisperu Hamishim Yem. Seven full weeks you should count for fifty days. Fifty, fifty, don't say fifty. Fifty days. Knock knock. We have a problem. Does the Tera not know math? The Tera starts off, Bereshis Baralikim, God created the world in six days. On the seventh day he rested. This was the completion of the first week of the world. Happy birthday world. At that point in time, Tata tells us the day consists of the week consists of seven days. So the Tata tells us in this Pasha, Sheva Shabosa is Temimai, seven full weeks. For fifty days you should count. Hello, seven times seven is forty-nine. <laughs> they tell a story of a woman. And the Alta Shtetl won the lottery. She needed, she was looking at the number 59, 59, 59. She needs 59. And she got the number 59, she bought the ticket, and she won the lottery. Givaldik. Alta Babichke. They asked the Babichke, how'd you do it? How'd you know 59? Says, she said, my Baba came to me in Cholom, in the dream, and told me to buy a lottery ticket that's 29 plus 29. 29 plus 29 is 58, not 59. She says, good, you stay with your math, I'll stay with my money. My, my 59 was my math and I won the lottery. You keep your 58 number and I'll, I'll go with my lottery ticket. Taylor doesn't play that game. Sheva Shabbos is to me by seven full weeks. Seven times seven is 49. And then the Pesach says, Chamishim, you're in 50 days. What is going on here? How does this work? Chamishim, and then seven Shabbos is to me full weeks. Um, there are times where there are legal holidays. On legal holidays, we have off a day or two. Or we start the week a little later. Long weekends that go from Thursday to Monday. So the week before is shortened because it only worked till Wednesday. And the next week we only start on Tuesday. So these are shortened weeks. So if you want to tell me, Shabbos says to me, is referring to what exactly? Full weeks? We don't have off the middle of the week. 
What Shabbat Shabbat is Tmimais? Forty-nine is the counting that we do anyway. We don't count fifty. We only count forty-nine. Because we start the second night Pesach. We're trying to achieve the fifty levels of Bina. Trying to as a, to reach that f- the fiftieth level to receive the Torah. And thereby each day of Sfira we prepare ourselves. Comes the 50th day, we reach the 50th Sfira, this God gives us. We don't have the key to that. But the days that we are preparing for this, Temimais need to be full. We cannot improvise. We cannot do anything that's not lifnim b'shur zadin. Interesting that those people that hold in the days of El, they are very strict and stringent. They won't eat the cholostam, and they won't eat this, they won't eat that. Used to be this way, at least. Used to be. I can't tell you today, unfortunately, the generation is having many, many different trials and tribulations. Many hardships on the generation. You can't judge anything or anyone anymore. So yes, they look to cut the corners, and they look to have their things, to have their ice creams, to have their chocolates. And El, or Sesame Tshuva, or the days of Sfira. Even the days of Sfira, we wouldn't dream of listening to music. We wouldn't dream of it. It's Sfira! Music went on. It's coming sweeter. Music on, on hold. You are on hold with a company. <laughs> music played. You are even it's sweeter. What am I doing? There are those places that have uh, a cappella music. I guess it's sweeter as well. They put it on. Or they have uh, in the nine days they have a cappella music. It's sweeter. Sira starts in Pesach, finishes Shuas. We don't get married during Sira. Shleisimek, Boldo, three days before Sira. No. We don't get married during Sira. Today there's a shortage of holes. <laughs> there's a Shidduch crisis, but there's a shortage of holes. Nobody's getting married, but the holes are always still booked. Baruch Hashem, for those that are getting married, which Merubim Tzarech Yamcha, they are plenty, Baruch Hashem. They are getting married. Zunta Heit, Mishbib Shotev, Mitzlachas, Minah Dayat to all of them. So the halls are all taken, or at least the halls that the people want to use are taken. The venues they want to be at. And, <laughs> they are engaged, let them get married, Zunta Heit. Don't keep, don't drag. So we find the hetter for the Shredish ear. We find the hetter for the Shredish This year is a problem. Because three days before Shuas, the Shuas comes out on a Tuesday. I don't Well, it doesn't come out Wednesday. Whatever week comes, day of the week comes out on. But three days before, you could make a chasana. Shredish Meagbala, according to many. This year, out of Shuas, the Shabbos. 
The day before that, two days before Shavuos, is Friday. Kemikhasen on Friday. So there's only one day, Thursday, before Shavuos. So the rabbis, of course, are going to find, to make a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is, a wedding, because you can't just clip the wedding situation. Timimais. Every single day of Svira we need to know we are preparing for Matan Taita. Every single day of Svira we need to know where we are going with this, where we are going, where we are taking this, what level we're bringing it, what we're bringing to the table. So that when Hamishim comes, we can ascertain the Hamishim. Because the days were to me were complete. But more so, we are starting on the second level of Hamishim that are on top of that. And those levels are endless. Sets of 50 are endless. And therefore, when we go to the Hamishim and we reach our Hamishim, Akash Baruch gives us one for the next one. To begin the next level. We're not counting Svira again after that, until next year. But a Jew needs to know that they constantly need to be a Mahalach. They have to go on a Hilach. A Yi cannot stand still and become complacent and say, Shalia Sisi, I did mine. A Jew needs to be able to reach out. And we spoke last week about don't stand on the blood of your friend and love your fellow Jew as yourself. A Yid needs to always constantly be looking out for a fellow Jew. Not by bitush, not by knocking them down and destroying them and belittling them, but rather elevating, picking up each and every Jew. If we see a Jew is down, it's so easy to just keep pounding. But no, our mitzvah is to lift this person up and to get this person to where they belong. This is Lahazir, the warning, the enlightening, the enlightening. The education is specially obligated by the Kahanim. Because they are the ones that bring Amisrael closer to God. How? Through the bringing of Karbanis. And they lift the Jews up to a higher and higher level, higher in Kedusha. Therefore, this commandment, Emma that the elders should have this effect and lighten up the, the younger, and they should be Yizharu, Kedusha, totally enlightened, totally in a brilliant fashion in a realm of, of sanctity. This is what the Torah teaches us. The tafkid, the mission of the G'daylam, of the elders, is not just to give a basic education, but to lift up and to elevate the youngers. And the younger, the K'tanim, refers to not only chronological, 
but the same in knowledge, in Torah knowledge. To lighten up their lives with the light of Torah and of Kedusha in their entire surroundings. And that is the proper preparation for the coming of Mashiach. And through that, we light up the world and we achieve as we're going to now come to the Siyam Rambam. Allah Ba'imah we achieve a Mala Oretz Deya Savaya Kamayim Layom Mechasim. That the entire world will be full the knowledge of God as the water covers the Tata. Over a hundred years ago, in Dusseldorf, Germany. It was a Yid named Shlema Pfeiffer. He was in the Kaiser's army. And Baruch Hashem, he survived World War One. And before he was drafted, in an Hashanah in the year of 1916, which I'm sure you relate to even better than if I tell you, Tafresh, whatever it was. Just before he went to war, he said, if I come home alive in one piece, I'm going to donate a Sefer the highest caliber, to be used in our community. And now the Baruch Hashem, he was alive and well, full of gratitude to Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He called his friend, Dr. Rabbi Emanuel Kalbach, the city of Cologne, and he asked him, Zeb, Kriegma Sefer from Poland, we set out to Zayn. Go to Poland and get me a Sefer of the highest quality, the most beautiful parchment. And lo and behold, a year later, so long it took to write the Sefer a beautiful new Sefer the best of parchment, the clearest writing. The handles were pure silver. And as the Sefetera arrived in the city, Dusseldorf, it got a name immediately because of the handles, Atzechayim, the silver Sefetera. There was a shul in Dusseldorf called Adas Yisrael. And this Sefetera was brought into that shul. And it was only used Shabbos and Yom Tif. During the week they used the other sefetera, which was also actually donated by the Pfeiffer family. That's why it was his pet uh, mitzvah. Shlema's son, Yoel, who unfortunately, because they lived in Dusseldorf, had a, a nice name, a secular name, Julius, had his bar mitzvah, and was zeichah to read his pasha, bar mitzvah pasha, from this silver sefetera. No, years passed. Unfortunately, the dark cloud of these horrific people descended on Europe. 
Now this Julius himself at this point in time graduated law school and was not just a law school man. He was on the Supreme Court of Dusseldorf. But 1933, the Jews did not have any prestigious positions and therefore he was told, you have to resign. He was a Chacham. As they say in America, he read the handwriting on the wall. He picked up and he went to Holland. And there, he was no longer a Supreme Court judge. He was in nothing. He left without a penny. In 1936, he brought a married his wife. And she joined him in Holland. And they had, Baruch Hashem, two sons. Unfortunately, 1937, nobody can imagine how horrible it would be for the Yidden in Germany. But he was concerned for his parents' property. And his parents, in their home, they had a safe that was full of gold coins. So he sent a trusted messenger, a courier, and said, go bring back from my parents, go to my parents, ask them, he gave a note, saying, give this man the most valuable items. Let him have the money at least. A few days passed, the messenger returned with the silver sefetera. That was his parents' concept, what they looked at, as their most valuable, a little different than what he thought was most valuable. November 9, 1938, the Nacht, the destruction that was met out against the Jews, all their shuls, all their businesses, destroyed. Adasi Sel Shul was destroyed, mm-hmm. and all the other sefritera that was still there were burnt. Because the parents didn't misunderstand, they just interpreted differently than he thought they were. Uh, the most valuable item was now in Holland and not burnt in that shul, on Kristallnacht. A few months later, he brought his parents, his father-in-law, his mother-in-law is no longer alive. He brought them all out to him in Holland. Unfortunately, May 10, 1940, the Nazis invaded Holland. Our friend here, Yoel, Julius, packed off to England. He didn't realize that his family would be trapped. His parents, his father-in-law, were deported to who knows where. They were considered now enemies, prisoners of war. At this point, Julius sent off to Canada with a group of Jewish men. Unfortunately, he lost all communication with his wife and his children. In 
the wife, Flora, hid the elder son by Goyim, and went into hiding with her baby. Unfortunately, next stop was Westerbrook, and then Bergen-Belsen, as they were discovered. And miraculously, they survived. In Westbrook, Floros was standing near the entrance of the camp and recognized Schleimer, her father-in-law. He was being marched to death. Because this Westbrook was apparently a, a, a way station until they took people to be killed. He saw his daughter-in-law, how they still recognize each other, and Schleimer quickly ran over and told her, the tailor is with a craftsman in South Amsterdam. At which point he was grabbed away. And never saw him again. Well, years went by, all the suffering, and she survived with her baby the war. She immediately traveled to Amsterdam where she found her oldest son. And then she started searching South Amsterdam from one craftsman to another to find the silver sefetera. She trudged days and weeks. She spoke to every craftsman that she could imagine. She was about ready to give up. She said, one more day. She came to a very famous craftsman. She knocked at the door. Maybe, maybe, a man with graying hair greeted her. And she explained what she was looking for. He started to think. He said, I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for. A while back a German Jew entrusted me with this Jewish Bible. He stepped away for a moment, came back with this wrapped package. She didn't have to open it. She knew exactly this was the Torah. She joined Baruch Hashem, her husband, in Canada with the precious silver sevetera. What mixed emotions could you only imagine? When Julius saw his anacle leaning from the silver sevetera by their mitzvahs. And even great-grandchildren. Julius himself was nifted in 1997, his wife in 1998, but the Teda is in Agudas Yisrael in Montreal. It's there for display. It says on it, Nidvas Mishpachas Pfeiffer, Chved Yoel Ben Achaz Yishleimah, And I can't read exactly what it says. Her name. Nachmat. Shemchaim Yehuda. And they dedicated it on the 50th anniversary. How much more powerful 
how much stronger, how much greater do we see the, rel- the relevance of how the Teda needs to continue, needs to be carried on, needs to move forward, forward from generation to generation. As we daven, Teda should be Layomush, Bipicho, Bipizaracho, Bipizera Zaracho. Teda should not be weakened or taken away, diminished in any which form or fashion from your mouth, mouth of your children, and the mouth of all your future generations. With this, we emphasize on Emer via Marta. We emphasize the greatness and the strength of what Chinuch is all about. The days of Svira. Again, as we refer to this week's Parshos, Fartim Lochem. There's a special point to all the mitzvahs any other mitzvah differently. This mitzvah is to count. Lochem, we learn, it's a chrevas, a sphira, to count. Each and every Jew has to count the days. Each and every Jew has to count his days. If you keep your score, only Gemara Menachas again, Samachem days. How many days went past, went through with his sphira? To count each and every day, one after the other. On the 50th day, celebrate Chag HaShavuos. This is a mitzvah, Asei Minatera. It's a mitzvah, Asei Minatera, is mangrama, because you can only do it during these 49 days, days. And therefore, there are those that will say that women are not obligated. But we go there from the Mishra in those things, and yet don't tell a woman not to do a mitzvah. They want to participate. They want to take care. And many women see to it that their children, their little children, count the Amen every night. Few and far between women do we find that they miss the night and they don't say bracha. You'll find more men than you find women. In this way also, since we're counting up to the celebration of Chagashvuas, Chagashvuas is a yamtiv apart from all others. Every yamtiv is set in the Teda, special day, what has to happen with that day? Chagashvuas, it doesn't say a thing. 50th day of Svira Seyma, that's all it is. No instructions, no luliv, no essing, no sukkah, no shefa, no fasting. Shvuas, Namizalachem, all about you. This way, we can perhaps understand the Chagash Shvuas doesn't just happen to happen in the sixth day of Sivan. 
according to the way the, the testimony of the Edim saw the Levana, and they said what the Yishchidosh was. That case, if you come out of the fifth or the seventh day, if Nisan and Ir were 29 days only, Chagashvuas would be on the 50th day of Sfiyasehmer, which would be Zion Sin. And both months were 30 days, it would be Hesim. There's ways today also where Jews can, on Hesim and on Zion Sin, if you go the past the national, international dateline, um, come from Australia or New Zealand to America, passing the dateline, you've lost your days. You're a day ahead, day after, day before. Depends which way you're going. You could end up with another day. You can end up with a day less. You can end up making sure it's the day before or the day after. You buy yourself a good mafta if you make that trip. Generally, the person that keeps Hasiv and Ozayin Sivan is doing according to the tale of the 50th day. But there's still a difference in him and everybody else. They're doing it on the 6th of Sivan. How does he say, Zman Matan Tera the day of keeping the Tera, of receiving the Tera, that was happening on the Vav Sivan? When the whole world celebrates it. That's the day the Torah was given to us. Therefore, only on that day that the Torah was given to us, can I say, it's Mama Teresainu. This doesn't change on a personal sphere basis. This goes across the board. So we see from here, Chagashvuas has two approaches. One a personal one, according to the Aveda of the person, where he finds himself. And one general, which is Kavua Milmaila, the sixth day of Sivan. And this teaches us a lesson to each and every Jew. There are things that in their Aveda, their personal Aveda, is a set thing. And if the person does, works on themselves in a certain way, their 49 days, their 49 mm-hmm. spheres, levels that they bring apart of themselves, the spiritual work of Sviris Amen is accomplished before or after. Even though everybody else did it on a certain date. And with this also we see the Teda is not only incumbent on the service of a person they're given in a certain way Mamila. Therefore, in this way, a person can accept also in special times that are set aside 
from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Although the Vav Sivan is a day of Zmama Tiresenu, but if the person has achieved what they had to do, and it now comes out on Hay Sivan or on Zion Sivan, then that too would be considered exactly that. The Saita was a woman that did not behave the way she was supposed to. And therefore she was asked to drink a certain drink to prove what she's all about. What happens if the husband died before she drank? We have Machlikas Beshamai Besil. Beshamai says that this bond of redemption is considered as if it's been done, over, finished. And Besil says. The bond is due for redemption and is not considered as having been redeemed mm-hmm. until she actually drinks the drink. And therefore, in order for her to get etc., the suba and everything else, she needs to drink it nonetheless. And therefore, Basil holds. And that's why we have the difference Machlekis, Beshamai, Basilo. And Beshamai. Did you call her Chachana? She just called her Noe. Where Beshamai is of the opinion that a person does is able to deal with their own golden inequities and therefore we don't need to pray, prove, they don't need to prove themselves any longer than once it's done whereas Base Hills has no person always needs to prove themselves improve themselves and needs to see to it that they accept and they do what has to happen Take Gimel Mishnah Yir Aleph. Rabbi Lazar Hamadoi Emer. Rabbi Lazar from Medin said, Hamachalus Hakadoshim, one who disgraces or desecrates holy things, Hamvazas Hameyades, one who disrespects the holidays, Vamefe Brisashel Avramavino, one who nullifies the Brisha Avramavino, Hagalaponim Batera Shalek Halacha, someone who explains Tera according to its not to its, according to its correct meaning. Even though he has in his hand Teira and Maisen Tevim, does not have a Chelek in Elam Haba.
Hamachalu is an interesting lotion, which means, as we said, to desecrate, disrespect, disgrace. Mishnah is written, Hamachal, one who does it in present tense, refers to someone who continues to sin. But if someone has done Shuva for whatever he has done, he does have Chedek and Elam Haba. Who was the Lazarman Hamadoi? He was a student of Rabbi Yechelim and Zakai. He lived in Modin. During the end of the era of the second Bishamidosh, he was known as the master of Agoda. Which is like the alternative explanations of Psukim. Now, when discussions of Agoda came up in Bishamidosh, Gamliel would say, we still need to hear the interpretation of the Madai. Elazar Mudai. Elazar's nephew was Bar Kokhba and he supported his revolt against the Romans. Davin all day that Hashem protect B'nai Yisrael. However, in the confusion, difficult, dangerous times, Elazar was falsely accused of aiding the other side and was put to death by the members of their own party. Since B'nai Yisrael were protected in his chus, shortly after his passing the war, his passing the war was lost and the Eden were killed. He lived in old age and was buried in the Mashav Dalton, which is near Tzfas. The mishap was that someone had whispered into his ear and they said later that the person that whispered into his ear was a revolutionary and he was conspiring together with him and ultimately that's why they killed him. We see from this the, how careful we, one needs to be with the way they talk, who they talk to, how they talk to them and how they need to reveal and disclose what they are saying in open fashion and thereby we will get the disclosure, full disclosure, the open fashion, and the open, miraculous way, the Geula Amitis Vashlema Yidei Mashiach Tzidkenu, our full 49 days, we will do it in the fullest, and the most competent fashion, and we will merit this Shabbos to be in Yerushalayim, in Shabbos to all.